podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. In a week where Cat's still too sick to do a podcast, and so I'm interviewing Ken Peace about his new book, Ken Peace's ABC of Australian Cricket. This is Can't Bowl, Can't Throw. Ken Peace's ABC of Australian Cricket is a smile on your dial cricket dictionary filled with lists, laughs, sledges, legends, and larrikins from every level of cricket. And uh, I'm lucky enough to have Ken Peace here talking to me. Hi, Ken. G'day, Dan. Nice to be talking to you again. Between us, we've written a lot of cricket books, you know. Yeah, I think I think you're do- doing the bulk of the scoring. It's like, uh, you know, but between uh, me and Sachin Tendulkar, we've scored uh, you know tens of thousands of <laughs> test runs as well. But uh, yeah, like uh, Sachin, uh, you're doing most of the work on the book writing front. <laughs> uh, don't undersell yourself, but it, it is a lot of fun. And the latest book has been terrific fun because it's just very quirky. There's sort of 500 entries and tiny little entries of uh, 10 and 12 words. Like even Don Bradman only gets 17 lines. So yeah, there's yeah. all sorts of bush legends that we that we mentioned too, funny instances. I, I, like you, I like the lighter side of cricket, Dan, and hopefully I'll put it out in this particular book, which is well-priced for Christmas at 20 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, so it's called it's called the ABC of Australian cricket. So it's basically it's like a who's who of uh, essentially Australian cricket references, isn't it? There's a lot of players in there, but it's not all players. There's there's other elements of the game. Oh yeah, no, very true. A strong influence on the players. Yes. Like, for example, Henry Gunston from up uh, Stallway, where of course the Easter gift is run every year. He made he's the ultimate Bush Bradman. He made 129 centuries, including one on his wedding day. He said, <laughs> "Ken, I had to leave by 2:30, otherwise the missus wouldn't have been too happy." So yeah. I like those sorts of human interest little stories, and hopefully that's a part of my writing every day. Yeah, the, yeah. The, there's, there's a good blend. There's a, there's a lot of uh, characters like that. There's also, of course, the international cricketers. I, I, there are a couple of uh, player references that that I quite enjoyed, uh, particularly the one on Steve Waugh, who you mentioned uh, once hit this writer from 32 runs from a single six ball over. Was he annoyed he didn't hit you for 36? It, it was like a tennis match, Dan. Six four, six four, six six. Yeah. He was representing the uh, Thames Valley Gentlemen against the Australian Crusaders. This is back in '87. Right. He's already played a couple of test matches, and it was it was funny because uh, this particular day the luncheon went for about 90 minutes rather than 20 minutes, and everyone said to the wine and so on. But I was bowling with uh, Paul Jackson, who was the Victorian left arm finger spinner. Went to Queensland and was a terrific player up there as well. And I was watching Steve Waugh was on another table and he wasn't <laughs> having any of the wine or the uh, the roast spatchcock that was on. It was really a lovely, lovely uh, social day. But the cricket, once we, because David Gilbert was playing for them, the fast bowler, um, Brad McNamara, the buzzard, who also played a lot with New South Wales, plus Stephen. So I was bowling in tandem with uh, with Paul Jackson. He bowled a maiden over. But the, by the end of the next over, um, it was, uh, the ball was all over the shop. He said, don't you shine it, master. And Steve Waugh was such a killer. And this, even in a semi-social game, like we were all trying as hard as we could, but I bowled six perfect leg breaks, but they were all the same pace, all the same height. And he really uh, gave me uh, 
did me a favour despite the embarrassment at, at the time because I realised I had to bowl with variations and yes. not just rely like a warning <laughs> at the start of his terrific career yeah. on a signature leg break. So, yeah, it, it, it wasn't fun at the time, but since then uh, he, he did allow me to become a much better bowler and I'm still doing it now at the age of 67. For We've got a Victorian or an Australian Championships coming up and I'm in the Victorian sevens. I've been picked, uh, Dan, as the bowling all-rounder. So there oh, you very go. very good. Very good. Well, let, let's hope you're not uh, – Steve Waugh's not playing against you in that, that particular competition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, as you mentioned, you do you do also have a, a tiny bit on Bradman in there. He doesn't quite uh, get to hog this book the way he gets to hog most other uh, cricket uh, ventures. But but in this one, I think that the thing that I liked or found most interesting was that you had this great stat where you said that if all the chances he'd given had been taken, he would still have averaged 74.49. And I'd never seen that stat before. Did someone go back through all the scorecards and, and – and find where he'd been dropped or something. There was an English solicitor in 1959. He did a book called Bradman the Great. Yeah. And it's the quintessential Bradman uh, biography, if you like, innings by innings. And halfway through Warney's career, I did a similar thing, the complete Shane Warne. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he just kept on. And by then, he'd only <laughs> taken about 350 of his 700 wickets. Yeah. But this English solicitor, Bertram Wackley, his name was, was an absolute Bradmanophile. Mm-hmm. And he charted every innings. And yeah, he went back through the newspapers and there there it was uh, because any innings Bradman played was reported on uh, again and again by dozens of different journalists from around the world. It is an unbelievable stat, but I also like the little story about he'd just come back from England, Dan, and he was the record breaker. He made 452 not out the previous Australian season, the all-time world record score, now Brian Lara's province. Mm. And in the Test Series, the Ashes Series, he got 974 runs. A triple century, a double century at Lourdes where he played superbly and Jack Farmer-White was bowling to him. And Farmer-White said, Bradman was coming, dancing down the wicket so much to me. He could have almost shaken the hand, he said. <laughs> but, the, but the little anecdote, as soon as they came back from England, they had a bit of spare time. And Bradman's best mate at the time, Lady Jessie and he, went up the, uh, the Hawkesby River at Brooklyn, which is about an hour south. It's just a lovely little hamlet. In those days, this is a Bill Ellie uh, territory. In those days, uh, lots of oyster farms around the Hawkesbury. Not so now. But Acker, they were out in a little um, little tinny and having trouble with the motor. And Don said, give me a try. And he was bending over the motor. And Acker had a, Alex Marks, his mate, had a little bit of mischievousness in him, put it that way. <laughs> and he hipped the Don into the water. And poor Lady Jessie on the, on the pier saw what had happened. And Bradman is spluttering around. Acker, Acker. Don can't swim. Quick, get him out of there. And so Acker had to dive in with all his clothes and get the Don out of there. And he used to tell his golf club mates, you know, Alex, Alex Marks saves the Australian hero. Yeah. But his mates at golf said, no, no, no. Marks <laughs> lynched a Brooklyn pier for killing Bradman. <laughs> yes. As, 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 as we can probably tell, you've got you've got all these fantastic anecdotes. So I, I was kind of just wondering, you know, as a, as a writer myself, I, I was kind of wondering about how the process, how, how you actually went about writing it did, did you just come up with a, a great big list of player names and you had all these uh like in your head ready to write or did you have to do a lot of research or was it some balance between the two 
well, I did a lot of uh, new interviews with some of, like a Henry Gunston, mm -hmm. who wrote on one of my books, Grabmans of the Bush. Thanks so much. Love my entry. Uh, regards always, uh, Henry, which which was very nice. Very, very nice. You know, he was the boy who made the century on his, on his wedding day. Uh, a, a lot is is from memory. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I just, I, I like the fact, like, uh, I uh, take little cuttings and I keep them in an anecdotes file drawer. You're right. Like David Boone, for example. Booney, like the, uh, the, the five-foot Tasmanian with with the uh, billiard legs. I think he drank either fifty one or fifty two full strength cans of booze, yep. beer, uh, Frost's Lager on the plane to Heathrow in eighty five. He yep. only averaged seventeen in the four Test matches that, that he <laughs> that he played. Maybe it was eighty nine. Maybe he 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 established himself by then yep. and was a was a better player. But yeah, those sorts of things appealed to me. I I did a book um, uh, from the point of view. Lockdown was terrific for me, Dan, and I know for you because you've written a couple of your books during lockdown too but I was able to do a book of 15 minutes of fame mm -hmm. one of the stories uh, on 70 Australian men to play just one test yep. but also there was uh, 40 Australian women to play one test yep. and I was researching this this book and there's a girl from Orange called Joe Gary and her one-off test match came in 1996 against New Zealand only lasted eight overs she didn't battle bowl the match was scheduled for three days at Arden Street Oval where North Melbourne footy club trained but it was washed out after less than oh, half God. an hour the poor Joe that was her one and only tilt of glory her 15 minutes of fame so I've put in those sorts of stories yep. in there as as well so yeah I think it's a book that appeals to all sports fans and people who just want to laugh and yeah. as you were alluding to earlier it's nice to be able to put a smile on the dial for people people these days isn't it yeah yeah it's a, it's a good book you can just pretty much open up at any page and there'll be you know something there something there to read oh yeah See, there was a, a horse at the MCG when in the 1920s. So uh, this is when Pony, Bill Ponsford, one of my early heroes, uh, and I got to interview him as mm -hmm. well, which was just marvellous. Um, Victoria scored two lots of 1,000 runs. Pony got 352 <laughs> in one of the games and 429 in the other one. And uh, the and I said to David Studham at the MCG, I said, well, you didn't have a, a proper roller in those days. You didn't have the mente roller going up and down. She said, no, we sure didn't. We had Dolly, who was a, a shire horse who had special <laughs> boots, and she would go up and down this wicket and talk about a road. It was a big, wide, white wicket, and Pony just loved it. And every time he played for Victoria, I think he made something like a thousand runs before Christmas one year. Uh, it might have been that 352 year, 27, 28. So I was so lucky with all these, like, uh, like, like you, Dale, I love conversations with cricketers. And Pony was my earliest one because he was born in 1900. Yeah, and he was able to tell me he had this amazing memory. He said, uh, "Oh, I was a Fitzroy boy, but the first time I played at St Kilda down at the Junction, where of course uh, Shane Warne is so famous for now." He said, "I reckon I got 15 or 16, but I was only in short pants, and they had a bloke <laughs> called Cannon uh, bowling for them, left arm finger spin. I couldn't get to him, and I couldn't hit the ball off the square, but they still took about an hour and a half to get me out, young Ken." He said. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really like those sorts of stories. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that kind of pitch that you're talking about there that, that certainly brings a new meaning to like horses for courses selection right <laughs> yeah ex exactly that but i've got people like jack potter and jack won't be listening right now he lives in new zealand in nelson but jack potter was australia's most famous 12th man mm -hmm. um three times he, he got that and they played south africa this and i was at the game this is 1963 64 i was just a young tacker and Jack came on as a substitute. I think one of 
the fast bowlers went off, maybe Neil Hook, just for a little um, comfort break. And Jack has fielded for five minutes. And Eddie Barlow, um, at the non-striker's end, has run through for a quick single. And the ball has bounced at mid-wicket into Jack's hands. And he's thrown the wicket down. Yep. And literally, um, it was it was just an amazing... And Jack was a baseballer. An amazing bit of cricket. And uh, Barlow, at the time, was South Africa's finest batsman. Like, a really, really, like a Jacques Carlos, mm. uh, A.B. De Villiers. That's that sort of a of player. And Jack came back and Don Bradman was in the lone viewing room. This is in the old stand in the old, old days. And Don Bradman, instead of getting a well done, Jack, fantastic, the poor, the Don, who was a good age then, he had his hands in his, <laughs> his head in his hands and he was shaking his head. You've just ruined the test match. Barlow's their best player. Nobody will come anymore because I'll get thrashed. <laughs> so the Don was only thinking about the actual bigger picture, uh, whereas uh, you know, Potter was just wanting a well done, but he still didn't get it that day from from uh, Jack. And incidentally, Potter's been married four times, the most Australian international married person that I know of. <laughs> oh, wow. That, that's, that's, a, that's a good stat, that one. Uh, I, I, I guess the the other challenge when you when you do come up with like this kind of ABC idea, I mean, Qs and Xs they're always a challenge, right? So, to, oh yeah, to, to tell us how yeah, you got around that one in this book. Yeah, so I, I did for Xs. I did uh, Xavier College. Yep. and told the story of Chuck Fleetwood Smith. Yes. Now he was the bowler who, like Warney, could make the ball spin and fizz. But he was an amazing pants man. Uh, can I say that on, <laughs> yeah, on you the, can, yeah. <laughs> that national audio? Uh, he really was an amazing cricketer, uh, but he was from left field. Um, he would do bird calls on the field. But after five o'clock, he had that big problem in that he fancied a lot of girls and a lot of girls fancied him. So he was actually expelled from Xavier, aged 14 and a half, <laughs> a boy from a stall. And, uh, and literally, uh, he had to ply his trade elsewhere. I think he left school very, very young. Yeah. But the same man, Fleetwood, won a test match for Bradman and the Australians, and he got the world's number one batsman out, Walter Hammond. And this test match went into a sixth day. And I mentioned that Melbourne as being a road. Mm. Adelaide was even more of a road. <laughs> and England were chasing 500, and they'd already got to something like 350 at stumps on day five. And it was one of those extended timeless test matches. Yep. And Bradman went up to Chuck England, only three down for 500. Like it was an amazing score that they'd got by stumps. And Australia were in trouble, and Bradman went to Chuck Fleetwood Smith. Chuck, if ever was the day you would have bowled the unplayable ball, we need it today. And within an over, he bowled his left arm wrist spinners, uh, if you like, his orthodox leg break, which came into the batsman, mm -hmm. to the right-hander, yeah. and went straight through his defences and took his leg bail. And so it was a little bit like that famous gatting ball of yep. Warnies. Maybe the best ball ever bowled between the wars. Mm. And Chuck sunk to his knees. Was that what you wanted, Don? He said. <laughs> Was that what you wanted? So yeah. he was an instant celebrity throughout all Australia. But unfortunately, Chuck had a, had a bad life afterwards. He couldn't handle the fame. He ended up a vagrant and sleeping under the the the, uh, the bridge at, on, on, on the Yarra. So, yeah, not every cricketer turns uh, everything to gold. Like afterwards, a lot of them do struggle. Yeah. Well, uh, one one who, who hasn't struggled in his, his career so far is Scott Boland, who you got to do the forward for this uh, book. Yeah. How, how'd you go about uh, get, getting that sorted? So um, I'm a life member at Frankston Cricket Club. Mm -hmm. I, for the first 15 years of Premier League cricket, I captain coached the third 11. So all these, all these young boys came through, really good cricketers who played 200 games and the two or three of them played for Victoria. And Scotty Boland was one of the young boys coming through. He came from Parkdale via the Kingston Saints. But when he arrived, 
arrived at Frankston, I'm not kidding you, he was 18 stone, maybe 18 and a half stone. He was a big, fat kid. Yeah. And he could bowl, though, and he could bat. He was a good hitter as well. And we all said to him, you know, you've got a real chance. But Nick Jewell was captain coach of Frankston in, in the ones, and I was looking after the threes. And Nick said to him, mate, I don't care what you do in the seconds, but unless you lose a truckload of weight, I'm not going to pick you in the first. And other than one game as a substitute in the ones shortly after Christmas when someone dropped out, uh, Nick was true to his, his word. Scotty wasn't playing. But this particular off-season, after getting the riot act read to him, he basically ate soup all or drank soup all, all the way through <laughs> that particular winter. And by the time he got to pre-season training at Frankston and then Victoria, because they liked the look of him, instead of being 18 and a half stone, he was 14 stone. And he was really, he was looking more like Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, yeah. he was really ripped. Had the six-pack and all this. He was ready to go. And so 10 years later, last Christmas test, there's mm. so many Bolands around the Parkdale area, all his cousins and so on. <laughs> They're all sitting at Bay 13 watching their cousin Scott absolutely pile through England. Six for seven, so yeah. extraordinary. Yeah, I, I I went to that game and it took us longer to find a spot in the car park than it did for England to, to bat that last yeah. day. <laughs> Very good. Nice, nice energy. And um, so I just thought, gee whiz, Scotty, that was given this was an extraordinary book I was writing about extraordinary moments in cricket and players from all walks of life. Um, I don't know how stone, Scotty, weren't you? That's right, Master, <laughs> I was. <laughs> and I said, and you've taken six for seven. He said, but it was a big apprenticeship. And so he had 10 years playing for Victoria and he hasn't been able to get back in the test no. stream other than one uh, test match in Pakistan. But I do hear from some of his cousins that he is a chance to play in the Christmas test match. These days they play so much, uh, yeah. you know, the, the 2020s and, and the one-day stuff, the 50-50s, that they do have to have a little bit of a fast-bowling cartel. So mm. he's definitely part of that. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him pop up again. And with 18 wickets at under 10 in these three test matches, he certainly deserves that moment, doesn't he? Definitely, definitely. So uh, just uh, just kind of move, moving into a different area, have you been watching the World Cup, the T20 World Cup? I sure have. I love the India-Pakistan game. What I, I'm not, desperately not, hoping that's the final because I've got tickets to that yeah, match. Yeah, oh yeah, it would gee, it would be really something. England were always the side. Matthew Mott was um, when I was talking about Nick Jewell and Frankston. Motty was our captain coach down at Frankston. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he would he was worth three players to us and. A lot of the interstate players, the Sheffield Shield players, um, wouldn't come to training, but Moddy was always there whenever he could. He was amazing. So I do have a soft spot for England. I'd love them to get through and play India in the final, and I think we won a hell of a final if they do. But India, like we saw the other night in the sort of the qualifying final, we're playing Zimbabwe. They're new ball bowlers. They're swinging the ball yeah. around corners as if they've got a, a two-piece ball playing on the peninsula with me at Mount Eliza. Yeah, they really were fabulous. So I think they've got the best team and whoever beats them is going to win the World Cup. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Yeah. Um, okay, well, I think uh, just give, give us another plug of, of where, where, where you can get the book from and uh, what it's called again for us, Ken. It's, it's called Ken Pieces ABC of Australian Cricket. 500 quirky little moments and facts and quotes everything that's going to really make you smile. It's only a $20 book, so it's a lovely little Christmas filler. People can get it at all the good bookshops, maybe some bad ones too, yep. but also on my uh, website, which is cricketbooks.com.au. And they should do, uh, I reckon they'll look for a couple of Leapkey books, because I've got a couple of those there too. Oh, there you as go. well, Dan, some of your books too. Cricketbooks.com.au. That's a, that's a great URL. So yeah, go check out cricketbooks.com.au or just duck down to a bookstore and look for uh, Ken Pieces ABC of Australian cricket. Thanks for coming along, Ken, and uh, we'll speak to you again soon. 
Dan, all the very best. Always love speaking to you and all the very best to you and your family. Podcast Network.